Hello, welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Um, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So we do have a special guest coming back on to the podcast for today. Um, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic has agreed to come on and talk all about this. Kasperi Kapanen trade back to the Penguins as they sent a whole lot uh, back to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the process. But uh, first off, Jesse, how you doing, man? Uh, about, as, about as well as it can be in this, uh, this crazy world, man. We're hanging in there. Yeah, it has been just absolutely crazy to say, you know, with all the, the sports going on and just all the games being boycotted, um, just everything like that. But, you know, I want, hopefully we can talk some hockey here and just talk about Kasperi Kapanen. Um, Jesse, I, I've kind of come around a little bit on this trade, just a little bit, just to kind of, just a tad. Um, I still hate the cost to acquire the asset management by Jim Rutherford. It's still piss poor with it, but I mean, there were a couple of tweets this morning that I saw about Kapanen that, you know, it looks like at 5v5 this year, he scored it like an above average uh, second line rate, which was good. It just sucks that he was behind Nylander and Marner. Um, Jesse, what is your overall take on the trade um, just to, with the asset management and everything around it? Um, I don't think it's good. Pretty much like <laughs> my primary area of frustration. Um, Asbury Kapanen doesn't make the Penguins beat the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't even put that series at five games. With the way they were know, playing, there's no way. There's just no. no. And 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 I know that this is one move. We're judging one move in what is about to, you know, we can assume be a series of moves. Mm-hmm. Under no circumstances, you know, to me, is this player worth the value they gave up? Now, there's multiple fronts to this, right? The first one. I equated to this. I gave somebody else this analogy earlier, Hunter. Let's pretend that your neighbor was selling their car. It was an okay car, right? It wasn't great. They wanted $1,500 for it. And you knew your neighbor didn't need the car because he had a couple other cars. And you knew the car like it didn't run all that great. Like It was okay. It's like $1,500. And then you went over to his house and you gave him $3,000 in one of your cars. What would you do that for? You didn't didn't need to do that. (laughs) The car only costs $1,500 and your neighbor's strapped for cash and he really needs the money. Don't, you know, there was everyone in the hockey world knew that Toronto Maple Leafs were going to shed salary A and B, that Kasperi Kapanen was going to be the player that was going to be the shed. Yeah. Everyone knew that. (laughs) We're in absolutely no position. Come after you and demand Philip Hollander. Or no, and they were in no position to ask for a first-round pick. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just to overpayment of an overvalued asset, and we've seen it from Jim Rutherford now several times. It's also, uh, I think, a preferential view, uh, overvalued view of assets he's familiar with. You could take that, Hunter, all the way back to 2011 with Corey Stillman. He brought Corey Stillman back to the Carolina Hurricanes and deemed him the solution to a problem he was not the solution to, but he was a name that he was familiar with. Yep. Corey Stillman's second go around there. Matt Cullen, Ron Hainsey, Jack Johnson. The list goes on. Right? Uh, this is a player that I wasn't in. Mean, let me and let me put it like this, right? 
this will be like I'm segmenting you into your own next segment now, probably. But <laughs> you know, where they're going to play him becomes a problem for me because you're putting him in the top line right wing or the second line right wing. That's what I was thinking too. And, okay, so knock on Kapanen in his draft year. I wrote about this. I didn't think that he had the hockey sense. Bring all of his skills together. The number one criticism of his game. It would and it would manifest itself on her to give you an exact example because I don't want to talk in like hyperbole or I don't want to give you general draft nonsense. I'll give you an exact example. Set faceoff plays. Just not participating. Like not knowing where to go. Or taking situations where he's not supposed to be the actor and becoming the actor. And that means like shooting it high off the glass. <laughs> like how frustrating is that? So so knowing that history, right, they go to Toronto with Kapanen, mm-hmm. and he, in two out of, you know, one out of his three years has been really above average. The yeah. other two were, you know, basically, at, 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 I would say, not to confuse anyone with the term replacement level, at league average or below. How about that? And when the problem manifested in Toronto, it manifested when they moved them up the lineup. They asked him to play with guys like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and players that think the game at a high level. He couldn't do it. Because that's been the criticism of his game and his time as a prospect. Now you're going to play him with Sidney Crosby. Yeah. If it didn't work with Matthews, Tavares, and Marner, it's not going to work with Sidney Crosby. And you're talking about a player that's got sense six times the sense of any of the players that I just mentioned. So, like, it's, it's A, it's miscast for me. B, the, the amount you, you gave up. Aberg's playing in the KHL. They've already said they don't even know if they're going to qualify him. What's the point of that? Yeah. Spur Lindgren's a f- number four, number five AHL defenseman. I barely even heard of them before yesterday. I mean, and, and, and neither did I. And the only reason I, I'm like, the Marlies are a super fun team to watch. I'm super bad. If there's one thing I've gotten bad at, it's paying attention to the American Hockey League, Hunter. And because like, me too. Hey, I got like, there's so much, so much you could do when you're paying attention to the draft already. And outside of Pierre Olivier Joseph, the Penguins didn't have anybody down there worth watching. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't pick my battles. So, yeah. But I feel like, but everybody that watches the Marlies would say he's a player that frustratingly leaves you wanting more from his skill set and has never exhibited the ceiling. He's never cracked the top fifteen in the in the, the Toronto like prospects ranking. I know the Penguins pool is really small, but Philip Hollander is number three for me. Number two, number three. So you've given up one of your better prospects, a guy in the KHL, a guy that's not playing in the NHL probably ever, uh, Asbury Kapanen, and you've also given up a first-round pick. I just don't see in what world that value adds up. And I've had people approach me, and I'm, this is the last thing I'll say because I've gone on a total tangent, but like <laughs> I've had people approach me and say they were never going to keep that pick. I, that I was mis- – and, and I, I never even – really thought about it all that hard you know i I didn't know what they were going to do with it i'd kind of prepared for them to keep it i think um it's not that i care about that it's just that i care about the like the value you could have gotten for that pick and that that's what i was saying too yeah it's just like i I was of the opinion i've talked about this on my episode on tuesday i basically said you know i don't usually have this kind of take because they always trade it and you know you're a win now mode 
I would have rather them kept it because I think this is a deep draft. And I mean, I'm no draft expert here, but I just, I read and I look at Bob McKenzie's draft reports and I look at some hockey prospectus and Corey, Corey on The Athletic does a great job. But it's just, I kind of would have kept it because you could have gotten a really good player there. But I mean, to your point, you could have gotten a bona fide top six winger, I think, with part of that package, with a number 15 pick, a top prospect. Oh, what pick. kind of defenseman could you have gotten? Yeah, a top four defenseman that slides Marcus Pedersen sure. down to the third pairing. I mean, that's that would in a perfect world, that's beautiful. I know the flat cap. Of I wrote about this the other day, Hunter, that they need they what they really need to play with Jack Johnson is a number four. You <laughs> could have gotten your number, you know, you really because you can't put a third pairing, you can't ask a third pairing defenseman, do all the things that is required of a yep. third pairing defenseman to pass to play with Jack Johnson. Yeah. Gone out and swung for the fence and gotten yourself a guy that you get to put down there having to sacrifice one of Marcus Pedersen or John Marino. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, I, and I have to say this too, because like I, I just went on that tangent. Like Casper Cabinet does not make the Penguins a worse hockey team. Makes, he definitely he definitely improves the Penguins in some yeah, aspects. He does. Like I think I think his impact is similar to that of a Carl Haglin. Be honest, like you know, Carl Carl Haglin was a nice accessory piece. Yeah, he just. But yeah. But, but when did you know we wouldn't have assumed Carl Haglin as a solution long term to Sidney Crosby's wing? Would you? You know, it's it's kind of that same thing for me. Yeah, and you know the one thing I, before we go to a commercial break, and we'll touch on this more I think after. You know, the one thing that I do like about this trade, if there's one really big thing, you know, they didn't do this, Jesse. They, Jesse, they didn't do this. Oh yeah, he's tough to play against. Nonsense. We need more players like that. I mean, he actually no, he is. Even though he is, yeah, yeah. And I, that's the, you're very right. And but but you could have said that about him. Yeah. But all the other stuff about speed and everything still would have been true. Yeah, I just what really jumped yeah. out at his game is just how fast he is. You know, I put a clip on my Twitter yesterday. He just blew past Brad Marchand in a uh, play. I think game seven of that playoff series in twenty. I think it was 2019 um, and the Leafs lost that game because they always lose to Boston. And, but I mean, it's just, that's what really jumps out to me about his game. You know, he's a skilled winger and um, it just, yeah, the, mo- the main thing is, yeah, the cost to acquire was just, it's just too much. And it was just another thing that Jim Rutherford always loves to do. Jesse, he gets in these bidding wars, he pays too much for the player. And then, you know what? It just, that's why everyone gets so upset. You know, he did, he kind of did the same thing with Jack Johnson, though. I don't really know if anyone else was going to give him a five-year term, but you know, he kind of did the same thing with Brandon Tanev. I ate a lot of crow on Brandon Tanev that six years. I still And Reeves though, maybe right. Yeah. Ryan Reeves is one. I mean, they only moved down a couple spots, but yeah. you also gave up Oscar Sundquist, who's, who's actually played very well in the bottom six for St. Louis. Yeah, Ryan Reeves was here for less than a year. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, again, like I'm not saying Oscar Sundquist fixes all your fixes all your problems. Teddy Bluger is probably better, but you could have both. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you could have moved. You know, one of if you wanted to move Sundquist, you could have got maybe a better piece back. So I read this is interesting, and I uh, I went yesterday. I was uh, goofing around online, and I went back and read. Carolina newspaper articles about uh, Jim Rutherford after he left. You know what they said, Hunter, that I thought, and I think you'll find this funny. What? I'll said, uh, Jim Rutherford's time here won't just be remembered for the cups. It'll be remembered for the nonstop series of trades he had to make to fix other trades. Yep. It's just it's the same thing the same is happening here. Thing. Like you, it's such a time capsule to read all this. Yep. 
there were other instances of him having like things to say about people leaving organization and kind of kicking people when they were down. And like, we just saw that with Justin Schultz. We've seen it with other guys. Like uh, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's, that's what it is, you know? And I, I don't, uh, again, I, you know, anybody cares here what this is going to look like afterwards. They're going to be bad. Everyone knows it. The team is going to suck. Um, we might as well just get ready for it now. Yeah, now you might as well just go all out, you know. Yeah, exactly. We're going to touch on Jim Rutherford coming up here in the next segment because you know he's just kind of been trending down a little bit. I would say the past few years. But first off, um, it's time to talk about RockAuto.com. It's a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. We can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Also, we also can talk about DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care, take care of your next meal. It's the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is just very easy. You can open the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, the listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off and no delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Okay, Jesse, so I did want to touch on, you know, Jim Rutherford. You know, the, the takes have been coming in. A lot of the takes have been coming in. You know, time to retire, Jim. It, it's time to just, you know, go your separate ways. You know, you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You've brought this team to Stanley Cups. Um, I, I'm never, like, too much of a reactionary person. I'm not someone to say, we'll fire the GM after this loss. Fire the GM after this trade. Fire, you know, after whatever the people like to do when you're if you're a Cleveland Browns fan or something like that. But... Jesse, I just, I feel like the time it's coming here. And, you know, the, the last couple of seasons, he's had more misses than hits. I know he's had the Jason Zucker trade, the John Marino acquisition, but it's just, I just don't like the trend that we're seeing right now with all these moves that he makes to fix uh, prior mistakes. I mean, the Dominic Cahoon trade now just looks foolish. I mean, I don't really understand why they had to give up on Rodriguez, even though we really didn't get to see a lot of him. It's just... I just don't like the trend of what's going on here with Jim. What do you think about that? It's fair. You know, um, I, I don't think anybody can really admonish you for, for feeling that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to know sometimes. I think because you, you, you've did a, you did a good job of painting the good and the bad, right? And there is good and bad. John Marino is, you know, God bless Kevin Stevens for that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, I just, I think this year, Hunter, is really the critical one because we're in a we're in a, we're in a transition before a big transition. Like there, there's transition already happening now, and I and you know Matt, what happens with Matt Murray is is going to be a big, you know, if 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 Jim Rutherford goes out and just robs somebody blind, from Matt Murray, that's the dream, right? Nobody. There. Yeah, I mean, who cares? You know, nobody cares anymore, yes. right? Now you're back to the yo-yo, the ebb and flow of Jim Rutherford. So I just think that uh, how they navigate through the next, you know, 10 calendar months really 
going to not only be critical to Jim Rutherford's tenure with the team, probably, but critical to what actual length this window has, what that actually looks like. Yeah. So I think it's a to be determined, you know, I mean, I, uh, look, the reality of this situation is, is in this environment, uh, if you lose uh, in the first round, only winning you know, one possible game, you know, get swept again, one game in three years, but he's probably going to go, you know, at that point, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, at that point you're, you're in a situation where, you know, you probably got everybody on the move. So, um, this is the, his biggest off season yet. I would say, you know, with all the moves that he's kind of promising that he's going to make, um, you know, I was reading the other day, question. you know, with Pierre Lebrun, yeah. it, it, it sounded like he was, he was told from a couple of people that they were close to a Matt Murray trade over the week, over the last week, but it never materialized. And some people I think are worried that he's going to keep Matt Murray and trade Tristan Jari. I do not see that happening. Um, but I don't either. It's yeah, just, I don't either. I'm just, I, there's a, there's a, there's a, a surprising amount, Hunter. I don't know if you've seen this, but. I, there's been a surprising amount, I think, of Tristan Jari dislike for some reason. Um, probably, I've been caught off guard by it recently. It's probably because, you know, he faltered down the stretch just a bit. His game dipped um, a little bit, even though he was the better goaltender this season. I think that's why. I think some uh, some of it also is to do with Marc-Andre Fleury. Some Penguins fans are never going to let that go, you know, that he's still not here, that he should have finished his career as a Penguin. But, you know, they're just kind of cautious going with that but i think it's some of it also is just because he faltered and struggled a little bit i think from february to march or after the all-star game i think here's the thing i'll tell you guys everyone about tristan jari that that i think should you know make everybody feel a little bit better Mm -hmm. tristan jari went to the same academy bullheading academy as lauren brassois who has not uh, I don't think yet had the same level of success that Jari's had in the NHL, but is is, is at least in it, is playing. Um, either way, you know, I I, I I forgot about this until I went back and, and read about it uh, before that game four against the, the Canadians. But the academy they went to, Hunter, wasn't traditional. And like, when I say that, like, what I mean is, like, so many of these traditional goaltending academies are focused on angles, right? Yeah. Or, like, uh, or not angles, but styles. And, are, you know, are you a butterfly goalie? You know, what, like, pad placement and, you know, all this nonsense. Uh, not nonsense, but, you know, old school stuff. Uh, Tristan Jari and Lauren Bersois were, were kind of trained in, like, this mathematical school. So everything that, that they learned in the academy and the stuff that they focused on there was about how... Where where to angle your head and neck in relation to getting around a screen? Mm-hmm. Mathematically, where is the best placement for your pads with the shooter located X number of feet away? Like it was very, I guess, in that sense, non traditional. Um, which I think, I think when your focus is rooted in stuff like that, not in a particular style, oh. like you become less, I think, uh, prone to having the bottom fall out for extended periods of time. Now, it's it's no different for me than like boxing or UFC fighting. Mm-hmm. Guys get like, you get in like a style or you, you, you style hole, you know, where now you're like, you're fighting against yourself uh, within the own, your style, you know, and that's like a Mark, that was very much a Marc-Andre Fleury thing. Uh, you know, very, I don't know if you remember a point in his career, 
part of the discussion was, uh, you know, he's got to he's got to change it up. He's too aggressive. Yeah. You know, we got to get a different coach in here. You're never going to really run into those conversations with Tristan Jari because I don't I don't know that he can be coached. You know, like when you have somebody who's got such a unique background, I mean, he could be coached, but like his foundation is so mathematical and so angular. At, uh, it's almost like a one size fits all type thing. He, he looks so and I poised think out there. Too. That's one of the things that made me so confident in proclaiming him as an NHL player mm-hmm. uh, at such an early point because it's just so nonchalant almost, right? Like very much just in in the right places. Yeah, and he just he looks so poised out there too. The, the way he moves the puck, he goes behind the net and gets it, or just comes out of his net. He does it with such aplomb. And I just, I marvel at it because, you know, for the longest time we had Marc-Andre Fleury where, where every time he would leave the net, you would basically shit your pants. Because it was an adventure, yeah. It was an adventure. It's a walking adventure out there because you think he's going to cough it up. And he did do that um, plenty, plenty of times. So I, I am excited to see his development going into next season. He is going to be the number one goaltender. Um, and they're going to promote Casey DeSmith, I would feel like. Um, that's the position that this team needs to pay the least, you know, I will always say goaltending is kind of like the running back position in football. You really don't want to pay it unless you're um, paying someone like Carey Price to be your goaltender or, um, you know, Henrik Lundqvist for as long as he was elite. Um, but before we get into our last segment, Jesse, um, it's time to talk about uh, Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. But with Roman, you can get a free line, free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is simple. You can just go to getroman.com slash XXS and you just complete an online visit. Go, you can go to getroman.com slash NHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Okay, Jesse, so I kind of wanted to just to get back to the trade before we kind of close things out. Um, I was kind of thinking about this to myself yesterday. How much would Kapanen have to produce next season and the season after that to for you to go or for some people to go, you know what? Trading a top 15 pick and one of the three best prospects, five best prospects in this system was worth it. For me, I was thinking maybe 20 goals, 30 assists on Crosby's line, 45, 50 point season. Um, what, what, what's your take on that? I don't, I don't know that I can answer this question because having something work out in an unexpected fashion on her doesn't make the principal move the right idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Tra- like it, I would say, like if you traded Chris Letang, like Anthony Beauvillier, and then Anthony Beauvillier scored fifty goals, still wasn't. I mean, like how, how you didn't know that was coming. Yeah, makes you sense. didn't know Anthony Beauvillier was going to score fifty goals. Mm-hmm. You know, like come on. So I, I, again, like I, ex- I'll tell you what I expect. Okay, I think I think like regardless of environment. Because the Penguins are going to have, I think, the makings um, on that bottom six, even if Kapanen were to end up there. Even if he wasn't playing with Crosby and Gensel. I still think there are environments in the Penguins' bottom six where he could be fruitful in. So I think 20 and 20, reasonable. No? Um, I think the question is, 
traditionally the data will tell you he doesn't do well on the power play. Mm-hmm. A weak point in his game. So you're probably not going to give him a whole lot of time there. But if he can improve his outputs on the penalty kill, a lot of people boast about he's kind of a quote-unquote power killer and that mm-hmm. he's so aggressive and so fast. He gets up ice so quickly, but he can kill it in advance. But the data doesn't, I don't know that it backs all that up. So you got to, I think, one, you got to get some return out of him on special teams, especially on the penalty kill. Um, and I think if he gets 20 and 20, anything over that, doing pretty well. Um, I, I just think that is almost like a slam dunk for me, regardless of where they put him. But I'm going to tell you this too, Hunter. People get frustrated with Dominic Simone. Yep. His lack of finishing sometimes mm-hmm. or his propensity to st- stick out like a sore thumb on the Crosby line or Connor Sherry falling down. or If that kind of stuff frustrates you, you don't. I can't see you like jumping for like joy two months into captain on the top line. Cause it's a lot of that timing stuff that Sidney Crosby does the, the, the meticulous planning, you know, the amount of information he feeds people on the bench. Oh, uh, Chris Kunitz had that. They talked early in his career about what an adjustment that was. And then he would get to a point where he almost just stopped listening to Sidney Crosby because <laughs> it was too much information. And he was like, I had to, like create a filter to know what was important. And when he was just talking to, to, to talk through it, yeah. you know, um, I, that's never been Kapanen's game. So I just, I, I foresee the penguins having a very productive third line player that, that it's going to take them a while to figure out that that's what it is. Yeah. And you know, the reason I asked that is just because, you know, he, he's had a 20 goal season before. So I was just curious if you, hey. you think, well, I know I know that was his only really above average season, but I was just curious to see if you think he could do that consistently. I think here. so, man. Like I, yeah. I, I just it's gonna have to be an even strength. Really what it's gonna be about. Yeah. And if you can get a couple shorties in there, great. Because I, I don't see a place for him on the top power play in it. Nope. Um I don't know that he, he's been good enough on you know, to give you the performance on the second one. So, you know, and again, a lot of this depends on what shakes out with the rest of this roster too and what it even looks like by the time we get to to training camp. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling around on this <laughs> roster. Uh, J- Jesse, if you had to pick, you know, one big area where Jim Rutherford is going to shore up, you know, for the rest of this offseason. I mean, we already know what's going to happen with one of the goaltenders. Um, what do you what do you think it's going to be? Like what's the next big domino here that you think could be coming besides the um the goaltenders? They gotta address the defense. Yeah. They have to go out there and find a way to address that defensive depth. Um, if you don't trust the Uso Ricola, you gotta do something. You can't, you know, it's the, the letting him linger is not helping anybody because he's not earning time. He's not he's not making the necessary adjustments that you feel he would need to make to adjust to North American ice because he's not playing. Yeah. So that's just now a limbo situation. We've gotten nowhere with that. Chad Ruido, I think, is super serviceable and great. Uh, but he plays on the wrong side of the ice. Um, I, I not wrong side. I just look for me. I don't. I don't think you could play Chad Rue and Jack Johnson together. It's just no unreasonable way. to expect that to yeah. be your third pairing. The Penguins have to go out and get somebody that can be a foundation. Um, and and plays it based on the data. How about this, Hunter? This will blow your mind. This is what you need. Okay, just to sum it up, Jack Johnson faced. 100 and this is in the games Corey Schneider tracked mm-hmm. his zones project 
152 zone entries he was targeted on. Second most on the team next to Marcus Pedersen, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I think says people are joining, avoiding John Marino like the play gunner because everybody John Marino plays with, they try to go to the other side of the ice. <laughs> he, was, so he, he, was, he was doing that. That's kind of what that tells me. He was doing that also <laughs> against the Canadians. Yeah, so Jack Johnson faced 152 zone entries and uh, successfully defended eight. That's just that's comical. That's just terrible. I'll flip that, okay? Uh, zone exits, right? Getting out of the zone. He had about a 19% success rate on a team average of 38%, which is about double that. So, oh. so you need a defenseman that can help support him on zone entries. He's going to be there because what it would be about 140 zone entries he failed on. 93 of those were, were, were somebody just skating by him. Only 30 passes are made or things like that, right? 90 plus were just him getting turned. You got to have somebody that can step in there, back that up, and somebody that can make the pass out on the other side. It, where, like, where's all the third pairing defensemen that could do all that stuff? <laughs> You know? I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you've got to go out and get somebody that can serve both ends of the blue line on that pairing. Jesse, you're asking for a prime Paul Coffey to come in and basically carry yeah. his corpse around or just a prime Nicholas Lidstrom. Or another John Marino. Yeah. Guess what? Like, they don't grow on trees, man. Like, it's not going to be easy to find one of those. Yeah. And it so, just makes the Jack Johnson defense, like Jim Rutherford yeah. has of him. It's just even that more baffling that he just continues to – Die on this hill for for whatever reason. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if he thinks that this will continue to piss off the fan base and he doesn't care, or you know maybe he just takes it personal that people just don't care for him. It's just it, it it's weird. <laughs> That's I think the only thing I can just say about it. But um, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on this episode. Um, great insight on Kapanen. The Tristan Jari stuff was absolutely awesome too. I loved your comparison with the car thing. Going over to your neighbor, I had a similar one. I was telling my um my girlfriend the other day. It was she thought she thought it was pretty funny too. But um yeah, man, I really do appreciate it. I'm definitely gonna have to have you on throughout the off season as more moves come in. I know we did this for Patrick Marlowe, and figured we had to do it for Kasperi Captain, and then we got definitely got to do it moving forward too. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, We'll have another episode coming on Friday for you guys, but thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you all then.